are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. Hey, good morning, everybody. It was so quiet and so serious, and I was walking up here, I was kind of in that mindset of like, man, I want to be, I want to be kind of somber as I'm walking up here, and to get that raucous applaud, I am totally undeserving of that. Hey, but thank you for that, for you, for you two fans out there. <laughs> oh, really, good morning, everybody, to both uh, everybody in here in person and everybody uh, checking us out on the live stream. My name is Adam. I'm sure you knew that already, but in case you didn't, I'm Adam. I'm the other elder of Grassroots Church. Uh, today, we're going to be spending a lot of time in Proverbs. So if you don't mind, please open your Bibles up to Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to be spending a lot of time. Really, the heart of this morning's message is coming from Proverbs 18 verses 10, 11, and 12. And we're going to get to that in just a second. So Proverbs 18, 10, 11, 12. Before I get into anything at all, I want to make two disclaimers about this morning's lesson. One being that this morning's teaching is not about any single person in particular. So as you're listening to this lesson this morning, and if you begin to think Adam is singling me out, like he's talking about me, I'm not. I have no individual person in mind. Uh, for this morning's lesson. Now, if you want to own that, if you're like, man, I think he's talking about me. You can think that, but that was not my intentions. Uh, Own it as you will. So just know I'm not talking about any person in particular. I'm not even talking about myself, which I know some of you are thinking like, whoa, hold on a second. Is this Adam that we know? Because a lot of times when I prepare for a lesson, I use myself as an example, feeling like I can pick on myself. I can use me as an example because I can pick on me. Y'all can't pick on me. I can pick on me. That's totally cool. I'm not even using myself as an example. So I'm not talking about any person in particular. At the same time, I'm kind of talking about everybody at the same time. We're all in this together. So this morning, I am addressing you, Christian. Any person that's listening right now that identifies himself as a Christian, someone that professes the deity, uh, the, the humanity of Jesus Christ. So I'm addressing you, individual Christian. You put all those Christians together, which means I'm addressing the church at large, which is kind of the paradox I'm at this morning. Just know I'm not talking about any person in particular, but I'm kind of talking about everybody, myself included, in that one. So this is kind of a general statement just to the church this morning. That's disclaimer number one. Disclaimer number two, the events that happened this past week uh, with the you know, rioting that took place at the Capitol on Wednesday and the aftermath, that has nothing to do with why I chose the topic for this morning. Now, as we go throughout this morning, you might think that. You might think, oh, wow, he's uh, speaking about what happened at the Capitol on Wednesday. I'm not, and I'll prove uh, in just a moment how I had this, I was given this idea for this morning's lesson months ago. Now, if you want to take this lesson and apply it to what happened on Wednesday, I guess you can kind of do that. I guess, but that's not really my intention, but you you can do with this word whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, So just know I'm not falling victim of recency bias this morning. I'm not trying to address uh, things that happened this past Wednesday at the Capitol. I just want to deliver God's word as it has been given to me. So keep that in mind, please. Um, Those are my intentions. So with all that being said, this morning I want to talk to you all about self-control. And to prove that I'm not a victim of recency bias in this, I got proof a couple of months ago, actually, 
Darren and I, we recorded a podcast. I'm sure millions of people listen. Uh, Some of you might have caught that, but it was called Fast Food and Self-Control. And what led us to talk about that podcast was an experience that I had. Uh, So during the late summer, early fall, I would wake up early in the morning. I would have my two cups of coffee that I tend to have early in the morning. Uh, And I would always have either a couple of eggs and or oatmeal with those two cups of coffee, which is a good, good, solid, healthy breakfast. So I would do that every morning. I would drop Rowan off at daycare. Uh, But after I dropped her off at daycare, I had some time to spare. So I often found myself either running through a McDonald's drive-thru, going to the Wild Bean, getting a breakfast burrito, getting some biscuits and gravy from Tudor's. And that was a strange phenomenon to me because even though I already had breakfast, I wasn't really hungry. I got all the nutrition I needed from that earlier breakfast. So it's like, why time and time again and I stop, am I stopping off and getting second breakfast? So we decided to do a podcast addressing fast food. Like, is it okay for someone to eat a lot of fast food? And we kind of put that in this idea of self-control because I realized at that time, I was not exercising self-control. Exhibit A. <laughs> Still uh, working <clears throat> on that one a little bit. And that's what led us to self-control. And as I was thinking about things I can speak about this morning, self-control was always on the forefront of my mind, just, just from that. And again, that was a few months ago. Um, but a lot of us know about self-control. And usually, you hear about self-control whenever somebody is addressing the fruit of the Spirit. So a very familiar pass, I'm sure to most of you all, is Galatians 5. Uh, verses 22 and 23, you know, Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is the last one. Uh, And then he continues to say that against such things, there is no law. So self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And usually self-control is spoken in that way. And interestingly enough, you cannot separate self-control from the other fruits of the Spirit. So if you are a Christian this morning, if you are saved by God's grace, you have been given an amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit works inside of us as individuals. So the fruit of the Spirit is not just things that we do. The fruit of the Spirit becomes who we are. We just don't become a people who do peaceful things, people who do the occasional kind thing. No, we become a people of peace. We become a loving person, a kind person, a faithful person. The Holy Spirit changes us. The fruit of our life is shown in our character. That is the fruit of the Spirit. And self-control is no exception. But what makes self-control a little bit interesting is that you can't practice, you can't be any of those other fruits unless you have self-control. And you know this, go to Walmart later on and let me know if you're a kind person or not. There's a degree of self-control you have to have if you're going to be a kind and a peaceful and a loving and a patient person. Uh, so self-control, I actually heard, a, or I read a lesson this week, one of the, a guy said that self-control is the basket that you put all the fruit of the Spirit in. So we can usually recognize self-control as it pertains uh, to the fruit of the Spirit, <clears throat> Uh, Excuse me. So the Holy Spirit works inside of us, and through the Holy Spirit's work, it changes our character. The fruit of the Spirit becomes us, and we need absolute self-control. Self-control is mentioned several times throughout Proverbs, but there's a really interesting Proverbs. It's Proverbs 25, uh, verse 28. It says, The man without self-control is like a city broken into 
uh, a city broken into and left without walls. If you are someone who struggles with self-control, you are vulnerable to the attacks of an enemy. So self-control is incredibly important, especially given the the time we live in uh, these days. We have to exercise self-control. I want to try to avert from a trap we fall into. Whenever you talk about self-control, it is so easy to go to one of two things. Right? Usually we think self-control, we think alcohol, which is true. Or we think self-control, we think uh, sexual desires, which again is true. But it's not just limited to those two things. So I took the liberty, just, just to get from me to you all. You're going to love me after this. Again, this is not about anybody in particular, just, just in general. Um, I took some time to write down a few notes of of things that we partake in that make us lose self-control. We don't have control of ourself. A couple of those, anger, I think we can all relate to that. We have all lost our temper, and when we lose control of our temper, we've said things and done things that afterwards we immediately regret. We're not in control. Our anger is in control. Same thing with fear. Very evident this past year, fear can easily control so much of our behavior. We don't do things. We're influenced by not our own self-control and convictions. We look at everything through the lens of fear. <clears throat> this one, is, this, is, this is me. Uh, speech and things that we say. I'm notorious for saying things, and after I say them, it's like, I shouldn't have said that. Um, we lose self-control in things we say. And I I'm hope, I'm hope I'm not alone in this. Maybe y'all can relate. Maybe sometimes... Uh, we say things, we post things in the heat of the moment when our emotions get the best of us. Uh, we lose control of our speech. <clears throat> Again, I'm trying to include everybody in this to show you why we all need self-control. And the other uh, example that I can think of is really discipline of prayer, discipline of worship. And if we were to look at our screen on time, which if you're an Apple user at 9.30 this morning, you got your screen time. How much of the time did you spend on social media or on YouTube compared to how much time you spent in prayer, how much time you spent in worship? And again, this is, this is to me as well. We lack self-control in the media that we consume. Even a couple weeks ago, I was staying up late. I had to work early the next day, but I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And even though I completed a really cool armor set, I was up like two hours too late, and I worked like garbage the next day. I could not turn that game off. Maybe you can relate with like Netflix. You got to have that one more episode of Cobra Kai uh, instead of going to bed, being disciplined and waking up feeling fresh the next morning. So we all struggle at times with self-control, but we need to be a people who don't just exercise self-control, but become a people of self-control. If not, uh, we are left absolutely vulnerable. Uh, so if we are left vulnerable, like I said, we are open to attacks by the enemy, as shown in Proverbs 25 and 28. We are a city uh, broken into uh, and has no walls. I guess my outline from this point on is really going to be summed up in one sentence. I'm trying to keep everything simple. And even though we're going to jump around a little bit today, uh, this is the most simplistic way I can paint an outline. Uh, so if you, have, if you want to take notes, this is what I'm going to try to address is simply that self-control is an action that requires practice to achieve a goal. So that is my outline. Self-control is an action that requires practice 
to achieve a goal. Uh, in digging around this week, I found a really good definition by a man named David Mathis. He's an executive editor of Desiring God, but he gives us really good definition of self-control for Christians in that it is the important, impressive, and nearly impossible practice of learning to maintain control of the beast of one's own sinful passions. And I think that that is a really good definition. So before we move forward and before we get into uh, the outline of self-control, I would like to take a moment, um, just spend some time in prayer. Uh, pray for me that, again, I don't want to be a victim of recency bias as I go through this morning. Um, and I'm, I do just want to pray that we all receive this word as it was intended to be given. So please uh, join me just in a quick moment of prayer. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for Nick and everybody that led us in worship. God, thank you for giving us a building we can all gather in together as your family. Thank you for just everything, uh, giving us yourself, uh, giving us this morning. But as we move through this morning, Father, I pray that your word will be spoken by me. May it be spoken with love, with gentleness, with boldness, and may it be received in such a way. Father, be glorified out of this morning and in everything we do as a church. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, again, the outline. Self-control is an action that requires practice in order to achieve a goal. So hopefully you've been camping out in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 18, verses 10, 11, and 12. Now, Proverbs, the reason we have to jump around a little bit this morning is that Proverbs doesn't really tell you what to do per se. It just tells you the type of person that you should be in a situation. But Proverbs 18, 10, 11, and 12, it actually addresses um, self-control, and really what it is to be someone who is vulnerable, a city that is broken into. Um, it says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, it's haughty. Sorry, I said that way. It's haughty. It's haughty, but humility comes before honor. So I want us to think about that for just a moment. It says that the righteous man runs into it, and that is into the name of the Lord. So I want to go back to this idea for just a second that self-control is an action. You do not passively exercise control. And the weird thing about self-control is that we actually don't have have all too much. One, by way of circumstance. We cannot control every single circumstance. Now, some would say, and in some ways it's true, that we can control ourselves in the circumstance, uh, but even then, the circumstance is always going to be bigger than us. We can always find ourselves in a situation where it's going to be easy to lose control to anger, to fear. The circumstance has more control over us often than we have control over ourselves. The circumstance draws us to act. And I want you all to think about it this way. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that nobody listening right now has been in a city that's been under attack. Maybe some of you have. Um, but we all, I'm pretty sure, have been out in a severe thunderstorm uh, and experienced that. So if you're out in a severe thunderstorm, you can't just run from the storm. You have to run to something you can't outrun a storm. You have to run to something. So whenever times get difficult, whenever the circumstance gets bigger than us, than you, we have to run. And usually we're going to run into one of two different places. Either 
The situation gets bigger, and we run into, into devices of our own making, which is what Proverbs is saying. A wealthy man is going to fall back on his wealth, uh, and it becomes protection in his own imagination, a false sense of security in his own ability. And we all have that tendency. I, I will say this. I am most comfortable when I can talk my way in and out of a situation, um, <laughs> which that's the best shot I have. If I have to rely on vision to get out of a situation, we're all doomed. Uh, but it's like, just let me talk my way in and out of a situation. That's going to be my fallback. But everybody who's listening, you have something you fall back into. Whenever the situation gets bigger, you're going to fall back into something. Maybe that is substance abuse. Maybe that is just drowning yourself in some type of media, whether that be social media, Netflix, something. The situation gets bigger and we fall back. We run to something. We cannot do that. We have to understand. We have to be humble in this. Um, we can't build up our own protection from our own devices. We have to be humble and understand that we don't have total control. The situation is always going to be bigger than us. The storm can always become that much more severe. And Christian, here's the good thing this morning. It's not just about running from that danger or running from that situation. It's about running to. And that's what I love about this passage in Proverbs. It says that the righteous man runs to the name of the Lord. And whenever Scripture says the name of the Lord, it's not obviously just talking about a name. It's kind of abstract. You can't run into a name. You're not running into a road sign somewhere. Whenever it says the name of the Lord, it's talking about God's nature. In the Old Testament, whenever if you think about Abraham, Abram, um, those characters in the Old Testament, whenever their character began to change, whenever their nature began to change, they were given different names. You know, Simon, Peter, Abram, Abraham. So this is telling us not in an abstract way to run into the name of the Lord. Instead, it's saying we should run in and take refuge and take shelter in God's nature. And oh my gosh, that is so encouraging this morning. So basically, whenever the storm is raging outside, we're stuck in it, we can run into the nature of God. And here's what's so encouraging about that. Do a little experiment later on. Just Google names of God that are mentioned in the Bible. Just to give you a few, because there are a lot, and there have actually been books written about this, uh, but we run to God's nature, we get to run to Jehovah. We get to run to Yahweh. We get to run to Abba. We get to run to I am. That is our protection. That is our refuge in that storm, in that time of destruction. The nature of God is what gives us control. You might be thinking, it's like, well, if you're dwelling in the nature of God, how do you actually have self-control? Think about how much liberty you have whenever you are in that security of, of God's nature. So we'll go back to those other examples again. Um, alcohol. This is not a message about alcohol, but again, our minds always go there. I can almost guarantee you this, that if you were to engage in a refreshment in a healthy, God-glorifying way, as Tim Keller put it, a glass of wine is a beautiful thing. <laughs> if you were to do that in a God-glorifying way in the, in the confines of what we're allowed to do, that... that is so much better you know, than being 11 o'clock at night with a whole bunch of empties laying around you. Speaking from experience right there, it is so much better to enjoy something the way that it was meant to be enjoyed. Same thing with food. We've all overeaten before. That's a terrible feeling. That post-Thanksgiving food hangover, it's like, oh, you just don't want to do much. Instead of you know, rationing ourselves and just eating what we need, we feel better from that. You have more liberty in the nature of God than you do the overconsumption outside of it. There are times when you need to be angry. There are times when you need to be afraid. 
there are times when, hey, it's okay to watch a couple of episodes of whatever Netflix show you're interested in. You have so much more liberty. You have so much more control and security in the nature of God. Uh, so that's point number one, and that is that self-control is an action. We, we're not running from something. We're running to something. And Christians, may this morning, may that be the name, the nature of God. Now let's take refuge in him. Uh, so self-control is an action that requires practice. And here's where we're going to begin to skip around uh, just a little bit, so bear with me. Uh, you can open up new tabs if you're <laughs> using an app, or you can go there in your Bible. But if you don't mind, flip a few pages ahead. Go to Proverbs 23. We're going to look at verses 20 and 21. Again, just a few pages ahead. We're opening up a new tab. That is Proverbs 23, 20. And 21. And if anybody's wondering, we are using the ESV this morning. So once you go to Proverbs 23, 20, and 21, hold your place there. Just hold your place right there. And then go all the way over. Open a new tab or flip through your Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 27. I want to try to, in your minds, make up two different type of characters. And as we're reading through this, Think about your spiritual life right now. Think about your relationship with God and think about which one of these characters you most resemble. Now, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 9 first. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Paul writes, Do you not know, excuse me, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wealth, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it <clears throat> I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. All right, so think about that. Think about that image of the athlete, someone that is in control of their body, someone that is in self-control of all things. In order to run, you have to be healthy. So think about that athlete. And then go back to Proverbs 23, verses 20 through 21. It says, Do not be among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the junk, drunkards and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will come to them with rags. All right. So think about that. Which one of those two characters do you think best resembles your spiritual life right now? In your spiritual life, are you disciplined? Are you practicing? Or are you just kind of sitting around not doing much of anything? Um, but if we are to run, and again, that's what, that's what Proverbs told us to do. We are to run to something, not from something. We're going to run to something. We have to practice. I thought, I thought, this is the world's worst way to put it, but it's going to drive my point home. You can't Bud Light and Funyuns your way to a 5K. <laughs> it's not going to work. You're not going to be very good at it. Uh, it takes practice. You have to have some sense of discipline. There are benefits to exercising self-control, and self-discipline. Even if you were to apply this to your practical day-to-day -day life. Uh, check it out later on. I'm not going to go into details, but there was a study done in uh, Stanford back in 1972 where psychologists performed what is now known as the marshmallow test, where it took a lot of 
five-year-olds and put them in a room with one marshmallow. And those five-year-olds were told not to eat the marshmallow. If they did not eat the marshmallow, they would get another marshmallow at the end. So five-year-olds, room five-year-olds, don't eat the marshmallow, you don't eat it, you get a second marshmallow at the end. Uh, so they just want to see the characteristics of those children. And it was shown that after 50 years, those five-year-old children that showed some self-restraint and self-discipline had higher SAT scores, had jobs that provided more money, were able to bend, better handle stress. Whenever you are in control, whenever you practice self-control, there are benefits to that. And that's just in the practical life, absolutely. You don't want to overconsume anything. You have to exercise self-control. There are benefits. In this spiritual sense, when it comes to our relationship with God, there are also benefits to that. And that is simply progress, right? We practice not to make perfect. We know that nobody's perfect, and we know that we're going to mess up eventually. You practice not for perfection. You practice for progress. Think about it. This coming week, try it. Like, read as much scripture as you can. If it's five minutes, awesome. If it's 10 minutes in prayer, start somewhere and just start building up those muscles. It takes practice. You're an athlete. You're a spiritual athlete. You're trying to run the race. You have to practice. And the results of that will be progress. You're going to mess up. Don't look at the world's best pastor, like the most successful pastor, the most spiritual person ever, and try to emulate what they're doing and then mess up a couple days because like, man, I'm not like that person because I wasn't able to achieve what they did. It's like, no, 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 no. It's all about progress, not about perfection. It's about progress. Don't let perfection intimidate you. It's about progress. It's an exercise. We're athletes. Uh, let's work out those spiritual muscles. Let's get, some, let's get a spiritual six pack, you know, some spiritual calves to help us, you know, run that race. So that's where we are so far. That is self-control is an action that requires practice to achieve a goal. And that is just point number three. Quickly, if you go to Titus chapter two, we're going to be looking at verses uh, six through eight. Again, and this is to achieve a goal. That is Titus chapter two, verses six through eight. Oh, cool. I have not been paying attention to the screen. I was going to say the words are on the screen, but I don't know. I haven't been looking. Titus chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, Likewise, urge the younger man to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be, uh, that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. So Paul is writing to Titus saying that we need to exercise self-control, exercise good works for a reason. And that's where we begin to wrap everything up this morning. It's not just about self-control so you can achieve smaller goals, smaller personal goals, which, which you can do. Absolutely, that, that's a good thing. But that's not the ultimate thing here. The two reasons why we exercise this self-control of running to the nature of God into the name of the Lord is one for God's glory. If we are able to make up constructs of our own imagination and fall back on you know, certain ways to have self-control and self-discipline, and we accomplish those goals, which you can kind of do, who gets the glory from that? 
We want to take glory for all of our accomplishments. It's like, I was able to overcome this. I did it. That's awesome. But as a Christian, the point of your life is not to glorify you. The point of your life is to bring glory to God. It is to let the work of Jesus Christ be shown through your life, to give God ultimate glory. So think about that. The way that you exercise self-control, that thing you fall back to, does that bring God ultimate glory? So that's number one. That is the goal, to glorify God. And second, it is to preserve our testimony. And this is why this becomes so applicable for the day and age in which we live. Christian church, grassroots, everybody here, everybody online, the world is watching us. The world is chaos, absolute chaos. Are we the people that are able to have the fruit and the spirit shown to everybody around us? Are we a people of peace, love, joy? Are we a people of self-control? That whenever the world looks at us, they see something different. They see how amazing God is. They see how amazing his power and his work can actually be. It's about having those fruits that are so incredibly abnormal that the world looks at us and be like, how are they doing that? How are they exercising that degree of self-control? That whenever they look at us, that they look at our good works, they can't say anything against us. It's all about glorifying God in a way to where the world sees that. And that is our testimony. Like I said, we don't just want to do self-control so that way we are in total control of ourselves, which we can't do. Self-control is an action. It takes practice to achieve a goal. And may God get all the glory for that and may others see God's glory in the way that we live our lives. Church, Christian, the world is watching us right now. They're watching, literally, on the live stream. They're looking at me. The camera's looking right at me. Uh, So I... (laughs) When thinking about a challenge for everybody this week, you know, we're still fresh into the new year, even though it's been like the longest year ever. It's only been like a week, but my gosh. 2021's been interesting so far. Uh, when thinking about a challenge, I want to encourage you all to join me just one week in doing this and see how it goes this week and try to continue that later on. Uh, my challenge for you, Christian, this week, whenever you're in a situation where you feel like you don't have control, maybe you want to lash out at anger, maybe you want to spend more time on Netflix, maybe... Uh, you're being tempted uh, with, by way of sexual desire. Whenever the, that begins to happen, whenever the circumstance gets bigger than us, when the storm gets more powerful than us, try this. Discipline your heart and your mind to immediately go to pr- uh, Scripture. All right, whenever the situations come up, think about Scripture. If you're someone like me that just shoots off at the mouth, oh, so it's going to be hard for me. Whenever I want to say something, like, oh, I want to say a bad joke right now. I do you know, instead of like, oh, there it went. No, think about it. Think about what I'm about to say and think about what Scripture has to say about the situation that I'm in and what it is that I'm about to say. So before you do something, before you react, respond. Right? React, not respond, by Scripture and prayer. Um, we need to communicate with the Father every morning, every day, every hour of every, every minute of every day. We need to be in healthy communion with the Father. We have to have our minds right. So whenever those situations occur... We are already prepared. And may we be, be a people that don't just focus on the, the urgent, but we understand the important. Not the temporary, but the eternal. May we be a people, a church, a family that doesn't just react. We respond by Scripture and by prayer. Try that this week, and if you fail, you just get back up on the horse and keep trying. Remember, you got to exercise. You just can't sit around and expect to be spiritually healthy. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pray. I appreciate you. I hope that this word was meaningful to you. Again, my intentions 
at first were to simply help me conceptualize why I'm eating so much fast food in the morning and, and that. So I don't know how you took it this morning. I pray that you took it in peace and with love. I do love you all. I love being able to just being a part of this church family, uh, to be with you. But I hope you found this as a blessing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. And I pray that, again, your word would be alive in everybody's heart. And may it be alive in our minds. May it be alive in every single thing that we do, Father. We know that the world is watching. And it's easy to watch everything that's happening right now because of technology. May we as your children, may we as grassroots church, want to be people that are so sheltered in your nature that they see us and they see something different, and may it be to your glory. We love you this morning, God. Thank you for all the blessings you continue to give us. Uh, Thank you that we have eternal hope in you. Thank you for your promises, the fulfillment of those promises, and uh, for allowing us just to come together and celebrate your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.